Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. Peace and blessings, love and light. And welcome to another edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. I am your host, Kim Martin Raymond. I'm a minister, spiritual life coach, author, and founder of Redefining You LLC, where I help my clients to realign themselves, mind, body, and spirit. So if this is your first time listening into the How Now podcast, welcome to the How Now family. Make sure that you go over to my website, www.hownowpodcast.com. Pick your favorite podcast platform. Go on there, like, follow, and share, and subscribe. And then you can also go to the bottom of the page and click on the banner, and it will take you to the How Now YouTube channel, where you can watch some of our shows in in, in replay. You can also click on the subscribe button and the notification bell, so that way you know when our shows are airing. So again, that is www.hownowpodcast.com. Welcome in, welcome in. So let's get into today's show. We're going to be talking about influencing teen leadership, okay? Uh, Nathan and I were talking just a little bit before the show started about how this is the first time in history that all representations of every age group is is in our workforce. We're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing millennials. We're seeing Gen Z, Gen X, Zen, 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 <laughs> Gen Y, Element OB, you know, everything. We're seeing baby boomers. Everyone is being represented in the workforce, you know, but it's important for us to focus in on our millennials, our children that are up and coming. These are going to be our future leaders. These are going to be people that are going to be leading our country, you know, and we want to make sure that we feel confident in that. And we're not like, uh oh, we're in trouble, you know, because you'll have some people that will say, you know, millennials, they act entitled. Some of the, you know, they ask too many questions. They're doing this, that, and the third. But are we equipping our youth for leadership? Do they have the tools necessary to be able to, to be our future leaders in this country? And to help me talk about this is my wonderful guest. So, of course, as is customary with the How Now podcast, I'm going to have him introduce himself at this time, and we're going to get into it. Thank you so much, Kim. So great to be here on this podcast, awesome. able to get this word out. So my name is Nathan Jaros. I'm from Northeast Ohio, so specifically the Akron, Summit County area. And I run a nonprofit organization I founded about five years ago called Light Leadership Influencing Teen Empowerment. Yeah. And the entire purpose of this organization is to give equal opportunity for students to learn about higher educational leadership skills. Hmm. We know that if you are privileged enough to go on national leadership programs or be part of different clubs that have those leadership aspects taught, or if you are able to go into higher education, specifically in management or leadership concepts, you learn these skills. But what about everyone else? Just like we learn math, science, history, these universal skills in life, leadership is also a universal skill. No matter what industry you go into, a trade, college, the military, family life, personal life, these leadership skills are applicable. So this is an organization designed to provide these opportunities in class with students so that as long as those students show up to class, they start learning about some of these leadership strategies and concepts they can use in their lives. I'm also a author of the book, Leadership, the Universal Skill that yeah. launched last year just to help share the concept that 
everybody can be a leader with the right opportunities, practice and opportunity and experiences. Yes. Yes. And you make a very key point. It's all about opportunities. Right. You know, we, we have to be you know exposed to things in order for us to reap the benefits of them. And so it is important that you say that it is about opportunity, making sure that we are creating these opportunities for our children to get the principles that they need. You know, we see a lot of, of, um, those leadership traits established in children that are exposed to Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. And, you know, I know you are a former Eagle Scout and, and, you know, things like that. We want to make sure that those, those opportunities are afforded to those who may not have the experience of going into a specific leadership program. Some children may live in inner city areas and they may not be exposed to having those things, but they can also be our future leaders, even our community leaders, and they need those skills. So it is important that those opportunities are afforded to them. So let's, let's roll back a little bit because you said that, you know, you started five years ago. Yes. And so that was pre-COVID. So what was your program looking like then? And then kind of talk me through what happened once the pandemic hit and, and, and what it's looking like now. Absolutely. So I know the original design of it was for us to be sort of like a corporate trainer, go, okay. just like corporate trainers go into a business to provide discussion, presentation, maybe activities on a leadership concept to a business. But we were doing that for schools. I come right. in as guest speakers because I know one of the biggest complaints I've heard with different integrations with schools is that they go, well, they want us to be mental health experts. They want us to be social emotional learning experts. They want us to be all these different things. I just want to teach science or I just want to teach right. my subject. Right. And so instead of trying to put more and more onto teachers, we're seeing ourselves as that, that assistance, that support right. for the schools, that they don't have to be the experts. They can bring us in and we will be able to work with their students in class to give them that similar experience. Right. And so we, in our, first kind of before even the organization started i was working for another nonprofit, and they did more risky choice behavior topics with gotcha. students so drugs alcohol peer pressure a variety of topics like that but i thought well, what if we had an approach instead of saying here's what not to do right. here's what to do here's what we can do as leaders as individuals and so i was able to pilot a leadership program it was only four sessions at the time and by a session i mean a class period Gotcha. And we reached 800 students, about eight different high schools in the area, two different counties, because it was kind of that checking of, is this needed? Is this right. new information to the students, right? Am I the one out of touch? Are they getting this? And well over 75% of students said that this was new to them. Mm -hmm. I had teachers telling me that, you know, it, is this going to be back next year? Because they really w enjoyed what was being taught. And it was something that wasn't new, that wasn't already previously learned by many students. And so with that, I saw like this kind of needed its own home. And I ended up pursuing the nonprofit route or the 501c3, yes. starting the business. Yes. And from that early point, I mean, we, we reached over 1,200 students in our first year. Wow. Uh, great reviews, great remarks from teachers who wanted this back. Even many teachers asking, is there more? You know, are there more sessions? And so we started expanding, having you know a full week, five sessions, and we had six sessions. And then when the pandemic hit, we had a strong second year. We were close to getting 1,500 students that year as we were growing even more and more. Didn't have much success in that spring of COVID because that's where we had all these schools scheduled. Things kind of shut down. Everyone was trying to figure right. out what was going on. Right. And then the next year, we made all of our programs virtual, and we still served some schools. 
But I heard from others saying that, hey, we, we love what you're doing. We want to bring you in, but we're just so behind. Right. We're so behind on just the basics that we're just trying to keep them up. And so it was sort of a down year numbers wise, right. reaching students, still able to reach some. But this past year, we weren't in the fall at all because some schools, they didn't want to bring in guest speakers. They wanted to keep their bubble intact. Right. But then once the spring opened up, we were back into schools, reached about over 700 students, similar feedback, and now we're off to a hot start this 2022-2023 school year. Awesome. Awesome. And that's the thing, you know, it, it's a matter of making those crucial pivots. Right. You know, when things like this happen, we have to say, okay, well, you know, what can we provide? How can we provide it? How are we best going to be able to serve right. these children? And 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 the fact that there is still a desire for it and that people were looking for it, you know, that that's something that's that's definitely critical. Because now the question is, all right, now that we're in this pandemic, we've had so many people that have been talking about self-care and so many people have been talking about self-reflection. There are all of these different, you know, buzzwords that are coming down the pike or that have come down the pike as a result of this pandemic. Were there things that you had to add into your program with regards to leadership that may not have been in the initial launch of it as a result of COVID? Well, I think what's interesting is that the with, when we go into emotional intelligence, so those are the concepts mm -hmm. of self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. All of those skills relate to the self-care that we're talking about or yeah. the mindfulness that we talk about that so many people emphasize when they are working right. with students or the, the term social and emotional learning. So there wasn't as much changing in the content that we were doing, but there was a big change in just the delivery. I know because it's when you're in the classroom, you're able to read facial expressions easier because right. right? you're actually making eye contact with them. I'm seeing, okay, do I need to speed up this portion? Or you see the confused faces and go, okay, I can give a better example to help them understand. You don't have that when you're doing virtual. You're looking into your webcam if you're doing it properly. You right. know, and then some kids don't have their video on. And right. some because they don't want to be seen, but then others because maybe they just don't have the capacity. They don't have the capability. Right. right. If they turn their video on, then everything starts to buffer. And so it's understanding that we're trying to get this information to students and get right. the uh, right opportunity to them. And there are barriers to it. And so doing the best we can. And I think the biggest lesson is flexibility. Yes. I mean, one classroom, it was they were back in school, but I wasn't allowed in as a guest speaker. So I was on a projector screen speaking to the class. And so they had right. questions and the teacher would go, OK, they said this, you know, and just right. had discussion. still worked. But it was a different approach and just really a big lesson in flexibility and, yeah. you know, perseverance, not yeah. not giving up throughout it, because I know a lot of nonprofits went under during COVID. And I knew mm -hmm. too that being a personal and professional development organization, it a lot of the funding was going towards feeding people. Right. Helping keep their, uh, their whether it's their internet or right. housing, health, housing utilities. Right. And yeah, I, this is a bonus. This is to add value in a more professional way, a, a plus. And there were a lot of very basic needs that weren't being met, let alone this additional benefit yeah and now what's interesting about it is that you know when you talk about leadership skills and you talk about having to make you know professional pivots i'm sure you had some personal pivots that you had to make as well and and it's interesting and because i'm sure you had to use some of the very concepts that you teach you know in order to keep your business and to keep yourself afloat and so you know it's wonderful when you have a a 
a business where you can actually use the skills that you're teaching. And, and that's what we want to see. We want to be able to see that, okay, as a leader, I know that I need to, to do this and, and oh, I need to make these right. you know, specific pivots so that that way I continue being successful as well. So not only were you able to do that, you know, to, to present it, you were able to show yourself as a real life example. So talk a little bit about your, the, you know, the, the personal pivots that you had to make and some of those skills that right. you were able to use. Well, I know that even starting a nonprofit, I started it when I was 23 years old, the whole process. And I learned how challenging that can be. Because yes. again, when you're starting a nonprofit, you often get the challenges of, well, you don't normally get funding until year three. Right. And you don't normally, like, they want to see that you can be around for a while. And I'm going, in order to get funding, you need to have data. And of course, anyone else who's tried to start something knows that, well, if you had right. funding, you'd be able to get more data. And so right. there's that constant back and forth. And so there's a lot of good momentum going our way because I knew that, okay, we're in a sacrifice. I've worked two, even three jobs at the same time, just trying to you know, make ends meet as an entrepreneur in this field. And during that year of COVID, it was one of those things where I took really the first job I could. It was a little call center thing just because I could work from home. It was remote. Right. And let's just say working there definitely made me more motivated to work with light. Okay, this isn't what I want, right? And so doing some odd jobs during the pandemic to keep this going, making as many connections as I still could when you can't yeah. actually network and you can't actually meet with people. Because I know the first advice I had starting a business, they go, it's, you know, they invest, it's not just the business name or what you're doing, your product, they invest right. in you, they invest that's, in the person. And right. so it's all about building those relationships with people. That's how doors open, whether it's relationships with funders, whether it's with schools, wherever it might be, it's about relationship building. And yeah. so having to pivot in a virtual world where you can't make new connections or make those second, third, fourth, fifth interactions with someone, right. it was really difficult. And it was one of those things where I know there was that questions of, you know, is this it? Is this what finishes us? And then nice. it's going, well, we actually raised more money than the year before in the year of COVID 2020. And then in 2021, wow. we raised even more than that. And this year we've exceeded that number last year already. And we exceeded the number back in May and we're still climbing. Awesome. And so seeing the investment by the community and the support of the community and what we're trying to accomplish just helps keep that motivated and right. even and not just the community support, but also, you know, it's just the interactions with students and teachers. Right. I mean, when you have kids that are sharing evaluation comments about how this is one of the best experiences they've experienced had in school, right. or when they're talking about how I never thought of leadership that way. Right. And like one of my favorites, and this was not during the pandemic itself, but the very first school we were in, one of the students said in their evaluation sheet that their favorite part of our program was that he asked how we felt. And right. I just never forgot that because I've had similar comments similar that just having this program about how they can be a leader, what yeah. their purpose is, asking them questions about how they would handle certain situations about diversity, team development, problems, emotional intelligence, how they just felt that their voices were heard. Because it's not just speaking at them about here's what you do, but also that inside out approach. Because right. we've all been in situations observing leadership or observing bad leadership or good leadership. Right. And we have experienced that. Maybe we didn't get that technical term. Maybe we didn't see the full strategy or understand what exactly was happening in that moment. Right. And so with that leadership training, how that impacts their lives, it's like, you know, we can't give up on this journey. 
That's right. Just like you said, it starts with that connection. And that is so important. I think that everyone, and this is something else that we've been hearing a lot about lately, especially in, in diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings. We've been hearing a lot about that. That that's that's the buzzword of the of the day. DEI, DEI this and DEI that. You know, it's it's making sure that people have a voice and making sure that people are heard. So I love that you said that that, that first comment was just that you know, that person asked how I was doing, where I was at how things were going with me, because it starts with that person being in touch with their feelings and emotions and being able to express themselves so that that way they can effectively receive the information. You know, as, a, as an educator, you know, we can't teach a curriculum unless we master classroom management, whether so we've prepared them to receive the information. We can't do it backwards. We can't say you're supposed to do this and that. And then after we tell them all the things they're supposed to do, then say, oh, are you okay? You all right with that? You know, <laughs> right. we don't want to do it backwards. We want to make sure that we're, that, that the, the children and our youth are in a space of being receptive of what it is. Right. You know, we know that this is the information age and that they're being bombarded with information, right. but it's what are they doing with that information? Do they know how to effectively Place the information that they're receiving so that that way they can make informed decisions about things that are going on in their, in their personal lives before we even touch on them talking about what they can do in their professional careers. Right. So, so it's, it's definitely important, like you said, to have that, that space of, of being able to connect first. So it's about the connection. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, I mean, one of the concepts that's often overlooked in leadership is it's very basic, but self-leadership, right? We all think about leadership as telling mm. others what to do or right. being in, being the general or the commander in charge. And although that can be a form of leadership, right. it starts with us. And I know when I, the first question I ask in every session or every, every program is how many of you in this room identify as a leader? Mm. And it's amazing how many different classrooms one kid may raise their hand. Right. And so here we are only one person saying, yeah, I'm a leader. I can do that. And I just feel like all of them have that potential to be right. a leader, even right. if it's influencing their friends, influencing their family. We influence coworkers, right? No matter where we go, if we're at trying to add value to people's lives, right. work toward a common purpose, we don't have to be the one with the title or the fancy position to demonstrate that. And I think when students learn about leading themselves, right. you start to have that purpose. One school I was at, I asked them, so I go, why are you in school? And they're like, oh, because, you know, in the classic examples, as we all know, <laughs> I have to be here. My mom makes me. I'm forced to. <laughs> right. If I could be anywhere else, I'd be anywhere else. Right. And they said, well, okay, let's look at your future, right? What are you looking for? What's your vision, right? Do you see yourself in a good career or maybe going to college or in a trade or having a successful, happy family, right? Well, what are some steps to doing that, right? And they go, oh, well, I have to graduate high school. Okay, how do you do that? You gotta get good grades. Right. Well, how do you get good grades? And the kid goes, show up to class. Right. right? And yeah. you see that once we have that purpose, every day starts to mean something because we're working towards something. We're not just existing, but we are truly living in right. our lives. We're leading our lives. Right. And so even if it's as simple as understanding how to lead yourself, those values are often not expressed or even taught. Right. They don't even learn that. And then when I train adults, and, they, and I'm sure when you've trained adults, they probably go, I wish I would have had this when I was younger. What Absolutely. if I learned these skills when I was in my teens or in my college right. years? Right. Right. And it's like, well, let's do that. Right. Let's give these skills. Let's have these discussions earlier. That's it. 
And, and that's key. It's all about the discussion. And that is an exchange. It's not just you standing there telling them what it is that they should be doing, but asking them, okay, what are your thoughts on this? Do you consider yourself a leader? Do you consider yourself an influencer? I like that too, because that's a term that we hear in social media all the time, that these people are influencers. What makes you an influencer? What is a, what is, uh, you know, where does that term come from? And how do we define that? Are you an influencer? Sometimes we don't know what we are because we don't know the definition of everything. Right. You know, I remember when I first started out as a coach and I was like, a coach? I was like, is, you mean like a sports coach? I don't play sports, you know? And they were like, no, not that kind of coach. Then I was thinking, well, the only other like life coach that I know is like, you know, Ayala Von Zahn or somebody like that. I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not quite like she is. And so I, you know, and until you can define the terms of, you know, you, you hear certain terms, but until you understand what they mean, you don't know that that's possibly what you are. And until somebody, you know, explained to me, you know, what a coach was and what they did. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I'm a coach. But you don't know if you're not exposed. And the younger you're exposed, like you said, the, the more inclined you are to have something to move towards if you know where you're moving. You know, it's like, where am I going? That leads right into perception. That's one of our main topics. And I normally lead perception right into diversity. But it's just that we can see the same facts, the same way, the same thing in the world, right. and perceive it entirely different. Like the word coach, the word leader. There was someone I talked to and she was, well, my grandson says he doesn't want to be a leader. And I said, well, that I guess that depends on how your grandson perceives a leader. Right. If he sees a leader as someone telling others what to do and being a boss, he might not want to be that. Right. I mean, I may not want to be just someone bossing people around. That's not, right. if, I, if that was my definition of a leader, then yeah, I probably wouldn't want that either. Right. But when you define it, or when you perceive it a different way, then all of a sudden you go, okay, maybe I am that definition. Maybe I do fit right. that role. And, it's, and that leads into how we manage conflict, how we manage diversity, is that when we realize that there's different perceptions out there, and right. the better we can understand perception, the better we can lead, influence, and work with others. Right, right. And that's key. That is key. It, it is all in the perception and everybody has a different take on things. Mm -hmm. And so we do, we have to take time to say, okay, what is it or how do you perceive it? We don't, if we don't get that and we just start teaching people skills or just start teaching them leadership skills and they don't understand what a leader is, just like you said, they're going to shut down. They're like, okay, this doesn't apply to me. So I'm just going to wait till they're finished talking for the next two hours. I'm just going to go ahead and check out, you know, but they can't gain interest until they realize that, okay, this is something that is relatable to all of us. And it's like you said, it's a mastery of self first before we start talking about, you know, being a leader of others. And that's what you tend to think. Because if everybody was a leader, like you said, there'd be all, all kinds of cheese and no Indians. Somebody has to be able to follow along. So yes, that's not everybody's role, but that's just one dynamic of leadership. So I like that you break down the different ways that, that we perceive leadership set so that, that way people can find that connection or see where they fit in that leadership spectrum. Cause it is a spectrum. It is not just black and white, correct? There's there, there's, there are different um, aspects of leadership. And that first one, like you said, should be that personal leadership. How are you leading yourself? How do you know yourself? I think that is critical. So it's awesome that you do that. So you said that the program is a, a is typically a five-week or a six-week program that you said you did? Well, right now we have six sessions. And so okay. each of those sessions, they could be done in one week. The reason why we did six was because some schools have a block schedule, meaning a 90-minute gotcha. session. Yes. And so instead of just doing one 45-minute session 
in that class period, we have two. But when we had five sessions, we had an odd number. So we're like, right. we're definitely going to round that out. Right, right. But what we want to be is the go-to leadership organization for youth, Excellent. right? That's one of our phrases that we've got going on now. And to do that, we wanted to have more sessions available. And right. so we've been adding more and more, like conflict management. Mm. Even we look at engagement. So that's a concept of diversity and inclusion, even uh, emotional intelligence. Right. But how engaged are we in our work? But also, when I work with the students, we do the little assessment. That's how engaged are they in school? What mm -hmm. drivers drive that engagement or what makes them disengaged with school and right. having that discussion with them, creative right. thinking. And one that I love is right now that we have is followership. Mm -hmm. and we touched up on the concept of followership in our team development session, but the concept of followership itself is so broad because we think follower is a bad thing because we're used to right. be a leader, not a follower. Or the example of if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you follow right. them off the cliff? Right. And there is bad followership or blind followership that does exist. We just follow any influence, but there is good followership. There's ways of demonstrating leadership skills in a follower role. And right, it's, a, it's good to be a good follower because I love that. we look for good followers as leaders. Right. And there's gonna be times that we're gonna need to be the good follower. Right. And sometimes people look at, you know, my boss tells me what to do. Or my, he's telling me that it's like, they told me to take out the trash. And you go, well, yeah, that's because the manager had to delegate a certain task, right? And as a right. good follower, it's not unethical to do that, right? You, you know, right. but it's just something maybe you don't wanna do, but you do it to the best of your ability, best right. of your attitude. And that's demonstrating good followership. And so some of those different broader topics that we're trying to dive into, even one, we're working with some de-escalation experts. I know I think you've had yes. them on your show. We've been talking yes. in a gentle way because yes. again, there's a lot of times we look at conflict, which is basically yes. just a need being obstructed right? Right. or the perception that our needs are being obstructed. And so when we start to see the strategy of conflict, we can better manage it. That's right. And a lot of times we don't, we get exposed to conflict skills when we're in conflict, which is the last place we want to learn how to manage conflict, right? We're right. mad because of the situation. <laughs> right. We're not looking at learning right now. We want this resolved. <laughs> and so when we equip people with these broader topics, doesn't matter where you're at, right? They all apply. Right. And I love that I love it because it is, it's about being proactive and not reactive. Just like you said, because we tend to do that. We're in a very reactive society. You know, everybody's got their cameras rolling because they're waiting for something to pop off. And, yeah. and the thing is we want to, we want to try to catch people, you know, making wise decisions prior to, and just like you said, not in the, in the midst of it or, you know, or having, or being in a space of being in a vacuum. You don't want that to be their experience. You want them to be able to say, okay, I, I, I you know, I, I'm familiar with this. You know, when you talk about knowing yourself and, 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 and understanding yourself, knowing your triggers, knowing those things. And what do I do? Do I wait until, till, till I'm triggered and then react or, you know, right. do I see these things coming? Do I know enough about myself to say, okay, I see where this is going. Let me start you know, putting, you know, things in place so I know what to do. So it's definitely a matter of proactivity. It's definitely a matter of saying, okay, these are, you know, th this is what what I, I need to do in order to be successful. You have to be an effective follower before you can be a leader. Just like you said, you know, the, people don't just, you know, take a run and start and just jump to the top <laughs> rung of the, of the ladder. That's not right. what happens. You're going to hit a couple of things on the way down, Absolutely. you know, so <laughs> it's going to be a little painful. It's like, ting, 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 ting. That's where you're going to be going. Well, like anything in life, right? When, if we just wing it, we might have some success, maybe okay. if we're lucky, right? I'm, I'm right. not impossible. But normally you have that preparation, that game plan. 
right? right? If you go into sports, an easy analogy there on teams, right? And you just run around the football field, not with any cohesive strategy, right. you're probably going to lose. Right. But when you take the time to strategize, practice, prepare, then all of a sudden you just execute. And so we look at a lot of things that students learn, right? And it's all important things from math and the sciences, history. Uh, but oftentimes those leadership skills aren't taught unless you're on track to be a manager or in business. Right. And right. it's like, well, if everyone had that same foundation, right. how would our world be different? That's if right. everybody had that similar understanding of smart goals and communication skills, better listening skills and so forth, all these different leadership things, or even the concept of servant leadership. I mean, yes. we look at our program before and after we assess kind of their growth. And when they start out, barely any identify, maybe 20, 30%. I mean, that number changes to about, oh, about 70% right. when we finish about, yes, I am this, all right? Perceiving what servant leader even means right. and identifying as, yeah, I can be that. And so just learning what this is so we can have that game plan, that strategy for success and making it you know, equally uh, accessible. Because right. oftentimes, again, if you don't have the money, don't have the privilege, don't have the, or it's always the top kids. I know one of the barriers I've had is my program is designed to reach every student, which means right. you get students who are at risk. You get right. students who are just maybe right now in the middle, right? They get, mm -hmm. they pass, but they're, maybe they're not as engaged or they participate. And yeah. then you have the high achievers. And sometimes the high achievers, right? They're getting the scholarship opportunities. They get the experiences that are wonderful but so many are left behind. Yeah. And so the idea of like light is going, no one should be left behind on these concepts. I love that. I love that. And that's so important because just like you said, there, there are some children that are in that top tier that, right. that need it as well, because sometimes they're being pushed mm -hmm. or, or, or there's a certain level of expectation. And so it's not something that they're doing voluntarily is something that they're being forced to do. Then, right. like you said, there's that other side of the spectrum where they are not afforded the opportunity. They're not, they're not given the, the chance to, to participate in programs like that. So I love that that is inclusive of everyone because everyone on every level, we don't know how or why they are experiencing what they're experiencing, but everyone should be able to have that level playing field of saying, okay, I, I understand the concepts. And just like you said, now I can execute them. But I have to be, I have to know what they are. I have to have, I have to be exposed to them. So I like that the program is like that. It's, it doesn't single out anyone. It doesn't right. put someone, uh, you know, says, well, you know what? You don't qualify for this. What, what does that mean? I don't qualify right. for what? I don't even know what I was qualifying <laughs> for, you know? <laughs> and exactly. what are the parameters? You well, know? And speaking to the proactive part, because the other overcorrection or maybe the, you know, the opposite way of doing it is I was in there was one school district talking about how they wanted to implement their social emotional learning curriculum. And I said, Oh, that's great. You know, you should be doing that. You go, now, how is that implemented? Like what grade level? Is it a separate mm -hmm. class? And they said, Oh, well, it's, it'll be administered during detention. And I'm going, well, so what you're doing is that when students are at their most vulnerable, and right. their most, if they misbehave or whatever the circumstances is, that's when they get the social emotional learning. But it, if we got it before then, right? Maybe they wouldn't have done the behavior, the the inappropriate behavior, or right. done the action that got them in there in the first place. Right. So sometimes it's the top students get the opportunity, or the or the most challenged students get the opportunity, 
at a position where they're probably not as receptive to it. Right. But what if we were more proactive, making it more universal? Yeah. So that's one thing I've been pushing for. And as, as you mentioned, the best word there is it's being proactive. Yes. If people, and like I've told them in leadership, when you're working with your team and you don't tell them what's expected of them, right. they're probably not going to do very well. Right. Not because they're bad, stupid, or ill-equipped, whatever. Right. It's because they haven't learned what's expected of them. That's it. And so if people don't have that expectation, it's probably right. going to be hard for them to meet it. Right. So this is trying to help give them that expectation that, yeah, you can be a leader. That's and I mean, it. I was blessed in my life. I had people who thought I could do anything, who believed right. in me, who challenged me to be the right. best. And I mean, that's the, you know, there's the psychology concepts on that where, you know, when you have that expectation, right. that, you know, you're that self-fulfilling prophecy, right, that you're able to meet. And when you have low expectations, you likely meet those low expectations. Right. Right. Someone says you're going to be a dropout and probably yeah, maybe they'll drop that's out. Right? That's, that's their, that's their standard. Right. That's what's expected of them. Right. But when you tell them that they can be a leader, it just changes how we see ourselves and then yes. how we end up interacting with others. Again, just like you said, it's about perception because just like you said, if they were just doing the, you know, we're only going to do this program during detention, you know, they're going to see it as a punishment. And, right. and anybody, anybody who sees it as a punishment or as, as, as something negative, why am I going to sit this? Because I have to do this because I'm being punished. So I'm being made to do this. Right. And then they're not going to see the benefit or, or what's good in it. All they're seeing is that this is a, this is a consequence and right. it's, it's a negative consequence. Right. I'm ha I'm being forced to do this. This is not something that's going to help me to grow. So everyone needs to be in that, in that space of, of growth. And, and it comes back to perception and reception. How am I going to receive this right. based on how it's presented to me? So I love that that you've created this this wonderful program, this wonderful space for children to be able to to gain some of those uh, you know leadership skills. So let's talk again about you know people uh, you know people who have millennials in their you know in their families. Those are you know who are school age. What are some of the initial things that they can do to help to support their children with regards to leadership skills? Because we know that some, there are some adults that are struggling with that as well. So it's hard for some parents to teach them. That's why I'm glad you're here as a liaison to come in and kind of bridge that gap. But, you know, if parents are looking to see some things that they can do or they see some leadership qualities in their children, their children don't quite see them. What are some things that they can look for or start to implement with their families? Absolutely. Because I know, too, even Goodyear, some of these other businesses, they might even spend a whole year just developing the soft skills with their right. new hires. And they're like, well, what if we got that younger? And so I think a major thing, like I am not a parent, so I'll be very upfront. So I don't have any like parenting advice directly about parenting. Right. But when we look at these different leadership skills and emotional intelligence, one, that's a term that maybe we've heard of, but yes. maybe don't really fully understand. Yes. So maybe learning more on those different topics. I know one, even understanding that emotions aren't good or bad. Right. They just are, they're natural. Right. Now those good or bad emotions, those, excuse me, those emotions can lead to maybe positive or negative behavior from that. I'll give the example of, like let's say we look at anger. We, you know, we think right. anger is a bad emotion. Well, if you go on the Oscar stage and slap somebody, that right. might be a bad behavior, right? right. But right. if you are, let's say there's an injustice, right. you probably should be angry about that. If there's yeah. a wrongdoing. And letting your voice be heard, speaking out when something is wrong, it's okay and it's and it's natural. Right. And we think happiness is a a good emotion and it most of the time leads to good behaviors. But if we're oblivious to skipping across the street and walk right into the street, right. 
right? We put ourselves in danger, right? That's right. And so That's right. it's understanding some of these concepts where we think it's not okay to be sad. Yes. Or it's not okay to express yeah. ourselves in that way. Right. Or even like, one of the biggest things that we talk about is even listening, right? And how do we be an active listener yeah. and managing conflict and realizing that why are we always in this repetitive cycle of arguing and realizing, well, what do you want to have happen? Right. I know like the one minute manager talks about how you, the only time you have a problem is when what you want to be happening is not happening. Okay. Right. So when we start seeing some of these little anecdotes of when we're in conflict or problems, right? What right. do I want to have happen? Everything else in the meantime, the, the potential name calling, the potential struggle, right? right? How do we handle that? Or, and how do we try to focus on the result as opposed to, maybe the little bickering back and forth. And so to give any one specific advice, it's just so broad of what can be done, whether it's reading books on leadership or emotional intelligence, right. or even if it's just researching it, learning about it, what it comes down to is right, continuing to grow and learn. I know when yes. I, I mean, I was homeschooled growing up and I know one quote my mom said is that first we learn how to read, then we read to learn, then right. we learn how to learn. And once we get to that point when we can learn how to learn, we learn that there's nothing that we can't do. And that was something in leadership that in my background where I was traveling across the nation, working with different different cities on national programs for scouting, right. where normally there'd only be about 300 participants a year. And the staff would be less than 100 people putting it on. So it was a very select group of people that were able to do this. There was the one program in California that we were tasked to do, and it was the same leadership program, but we were using STEM activities. Gotcha. And I remember I was like, I'm not a STEM person. So that's science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Right. I'm like, I told the course director, and she came from San Francisco, and I said, are you sure you want me to do this? Like, I'm not a <laughs> STEM person. Like, right, right. I can do the leadership stuff, but I'm not right. sure about the STEM. And she goes, you understand the leadership. You'll be fine. And sure enough, after a week of preparing, right, we were doing 3D printing. We were doing GoPro cameras and drone work and DNA mm -hmm. modules, all these different things that I would have never thought of myself as actually being right. able to teach, let alone, mm -hmm. you know, right. and I, even other staff members I worked with. And what I realized in that moment was that it didn't matter what we were doing. Right. We became self-leaders. We learned how to ask questions and not be afraid to ask questions. We learned that just because we made a mistake didn't mean that we had to stop. Right. That we made a mistake, we learned from it, and we moved on. Or right. I did the same thing on a boat in Florida. Did a leadership program sailing. I wasn't a sailor. Right. I had to learn the technical skills of sailing and apply right. them with leadership. Right. And so when we become that, I look at it as self-leadership, but when we become lifelong learners, Absolutely. All of a sudden, there's nothing we cannot do. That's right. But oftentimes we get so caught up into, well, I am just an engineer. I am just. Right. We put um, ourselves cashier. in the box. And right. Then, right. And then we realize that these this universal skill of leadership is applied anywhere. And yeah. so once we put ourselves in that journey of being a leader, we yeah. learn that, like John F. Kennedy said, leadership and learning are indispensable. That's right? it. And if anyone says that they're a perfect leader, right? I, th I can think of one thing already that they can work on, but right. Right, we're all, but maybe humility might be right. right. Self-awareness, self-management, right. learning some, you know, where you can grow. Right. 
But again, we're always learning. And that's oh, where sometimes we look I at it's hard that. to be a leader is because we are flawed. We do make mistakes. Right. We are vulnerable. Right. But even working with students going like part of being a good listener is asking questions. Right. You think that's not a listening tip, but it is. It is. If I'm not able to understand the message, if I'm missing something, right. being proactive, right. being willing to put myself out there to get the right. answer, maybe right. get that clarity. And sometimes we're afraid to ask questions in fear of looking stupid or right. making, you know, like, oh, I didn't know this. But let's just say I'd rather ask what appears to be a maybe a dumb question right. instead of doing something dumb because of ignorance or negligence. Right. Because I've learned starting a nonprofit, people yeah. are willing to help you. Yes. They're willing to ask. People are and I love that. And and that is something that is so critical that we teach our children to be lifelong learners, like you said. And also that that they, you know, never to be fearful or ask questions. The one thing that we never want to do, and this is something that I do in some of my trainings with with um young people and with people who um are teaching young people, yeah. is that we never take away their voice. It's right. always a matter of of giving them the voice, give them the vocabulary, give them the words, have them have that conversation with you. You know, tell me how you feel about that. You know, we we are we are a, beings that that exist in homeostasis. You know, when we tell a little boy, man up, stop crying. Right. You know, don't don't do that. You know, we're stopping them from expressing their emotions. And and what we're doing is we're causing dis-ease, not necessarily physically, but it can be, but it can be mentally too. You know, right. recently I was doing a training and and had someone to say that there was a parent who used to tell the little boy, you know, man up, stop crying. And and he hurt himself and he didn't cry. And then the parent came and put a wig on him and was like, see, you're a clown. When you, when you cry, you're a clown. Wow. Now, do you see the impact that it can have on somebody when, when you take away their voice, when you take away their opportunity to express themselves, the kinds of, you know, how toxic that can be right. for a child and how toxic it can be for that child who eventually becomes an adult. Now that's something that he'll have to live with. He's going to be traumatized. Now you've traumatized that child. And now they think that they're not able to do things, but it's because they were, you know, they were suppressed in what it was that they were trying to express. You know, as a child, children are going to cry. Things are going to be, are going to upset them. You know, they're not crying for no reason. There's a reason behind why they're doing it and it needs to happen. So that way they can get back to a space of homeostasis. So that way they can function. So we have to be so careful, you know, not to put children in a, in a position or put them in a box where, where they don't see any way out of that box. I love that you say your mom, you know, made sure that you had opportunities set so that way you knew that there wasn't anything that you couldn't do. Yep. So it's important that we raise our children in that way. Yeah. I know when you were talking about the, the kid and it's like one of those things where it's a natural reaction when you feel pain to right. give a response, to talk about it. And I mean, who knows in the future, right? You, right. if you have a pain, you have a discomfort, and you're, oh, I'm gonna man up. How many times is it something that if you went to a doctor and got it examined, correct, you would get something that was in an you earlier stage? You need. Exactly. And so that, right, we start to see that where that will be a problem in the future right. is when we fail to be able to express what's going on. That's right. And again, when you're when you're a kid and when you grow up. You know I mean? Maybe you cry less. Maybe you cry, you know, you, you can right. cry at times. There's right. different ways of handling it at different That's moments. Right. But when That's you're right. told not to be able to be yourself or to express yourself, yes, it's just yes. very, I, it would be a very difficult way to proceed. <laughs> right. I know. Well, and that's where we look at 
a lot of leadership lessons or how people learn leadership is just through observing, right? We learn everything from a curriculum, a program, a training, right. Right. but we learn leadership by who we observe. Mm. And so when we see someone demonstrating bad leadership or ineffective mm. leadership, right. we think that's leadership. Mm. Right? We have a boss, they were rude to us, they were mean, whatever. Well, I don't want to be a leader because I don't want to be like him. Right. Or we sit there and when we become the boss and then we emulate some of that characteristics, the, maybe it's the negative ones, but then we don't do all of it and we go, well, I can't believe you think I'm not a great boss. You should have seen who I worked for before. Right. right. And we're always looking at as, well, I'm better than the worst person behind me. Right. And that's because that's what we may have been accustomed to. Yeah. Or we had the privilege of working for a great leader. And then we just follow what they do. Right. And it may work for us because likely right. those characteristics were positive. Right. But unless we take that opportunity to learn what leadership is, then we go, oh, well, I know why it didn't work out for the guy that was rude and right. bossy and domineering. But, right. And then we know what they did right for the, you know, so when we just learn through experience, right. we're not seeing the full picture of what is leadership. We're just going with what I've observed right. is this. And that comes down right. to our perception and our experience of Absolutely. what's okay, what's not, and you know, is that leadership or not? Right, right. And I think that that is amazing. We have to be able to know the difference. We have to be able to identify those things and say, okay, well, you know, I, I can discern that this is not a good leadership quality and this one is and that we can glean from those experiences and take the positives and be able to run run with those as opposed to focusing so much on the negatives so like i said we can go all day talking about leadership because this is just something that is so critical and so important and and so necessary especially with our children you know like i said who are going to be future leaders for those who are going to be influencers, making sure that they're in the best position and given the best opportunities to be able to do that. And it starts at home and it starts with, with them. It starts from within and being able to, to identify certain things, identify triggers, to identify, you know, ways in which we can, you know, self-regulate. There are so many aspects of leadership that we can go on and on, but I appreciate what it is that you are doing with light, what it is that you're doing in your area to, to bring awareness to children and that it's virtual. So before we go, I want to definitely tell, ask, you know, ask you to tell people how they can get in contact with you, how they can learn about your program, how they can gain access to your book and begin helping their children in that personal journey. Absolutely. So for the nonprofit, our website is light spelled l-i-t-e then usa.org and that will show you kind of an overview of all of our high school programs we do have a middle school program as well that is a little bit more interactive as well mm -hmm. with you know some middle school games there we also can provide disc assessments so disc stands for dominance influence steadiness conscientious different behavioral differences among people yes and so we can do any of those whether it's in class with people because we're willing to travel depending on the situation right. but also we can do it virtually if you just want to put me up on the screen that's perfectly <laughs> fine too and so we have our contact information on that website if you wanted to look deeper into just the concept of leadership uh, there's my book that's on nathanjaros.com so that's n-a-t-h-a-n-j-a-r-o-s-z.com and that's where the book leadership the universal skill you can find that on amazon and of course that goes into not just like the background of leadership. We talk about right. the the ethical effective leadership model that as a leader yes. is important to be ethical as well as yes. effective to be a quality leader. Yes. And then we talk about what does it mean to be a quality leader with some different leadership tips. So awesome. if you're interested in that, we'd be, you know, love for you to have, take a read on that. 
And of course, feel free to reach out with any questions or if you're interested in the program, we'd be happy to work something out with you. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so that is www.light. You lot is it light.usa? It's lightusa.org. Light USA. So it's L I T E U S A dot org. Or you can go www.nathanjeros and pick up a copy of his book. I've already got my copy, so make sure you get yours. <laughs> so uh, again, we thank you so much for coming and sharing. It's all about making people aware of the things that are going on around us. That that way we're we're equipped to make the most uh, conscious and effective and informed decisions. And that's what How Now is all about, making sure that we're creating those types of platforms for those who are seeking to do things in this now. So again, thank you so much, Nathan, for being with us. We appreciate you taking time. And as I say to all my guests, you're always welcome back as your program changes, because what it is now may not be what it is two weeks from now, hour from now, a couple of days from now, a year from now. So we definitely like for you to come back and share with us the things that are going on in your now. Now, one other question that we ask or that I ask each one of my guests is how are you? I mean, what are you doing to function in the now? What is something that you do to, to live in this space or to function in this space that we're in right now? Sure. Well, I think one of the main things I do is I've got a very defined purpose that I'm really passionate about. And so that always reminds me to keep moving forward one day at a time. It's easy to get overwhelmed with a schedule and how much you have to do. And so for me, when I remember what it's all about, right, it's that kid from, you know, Garfield High School. It's the kid from Firestone High School who is getting this opportunity. And although I don't need the validation for like, it's not like it's for the feedback, but whenever you have someone who says something like, hey, you know, when are you coming back? Or, you know, I love what you did, or this, this helped me learn what it means to be a leader. When you have some of those feedback, some of that feedback, it just reminds you that what, what I'm doing and what we're trying to accomplish with this organization is so meaningful. And that helps whenever you're having a rough day or you're thinking, why am I doing this? Why didn't I, why didn't I do something else? Right. And you What's go, your why? It's for them. Yeah. So it's, to, it's to create and empower another generation to be the best versions of themselves knowing that I'm not going to solve all the world's problems. There's no way. But if I empower others to be their best selves, that's how we change the world because we're allowing them to use their brilliance, their skill, their passion, their ingenuity, and equipping them with that self-leadership and leadership skills so that they can be the most best version of themselves. I love that. that. That's a wonderful way to end. We're talking about just focusing on being the best version of yourself. And remembering your why and remembering your purpose, you know, that's going to help you. You know, you, there, there's that saying that, you know, put your hand over your heart in the morning. What is that? That is purpose. You're getting up there. there you have a destination. You have something, a goal that you're wishing to achieve. And so you're going to step out there and do the best that you can, you know, and that, and that's something that is so critical. We're going to focus on being the best versions of ourselves. So again, Nathan, thank you so much for being with us. We will have your contact information uh, in the uh, display when your show airs so that people will be able to get in contact with you and learn more about light and, and cop a copy of your book because it's awesome. And so we are just looking for that. Any parting words for our guests before we go? Just thank you so much for listening. I, Love talking about leadership. Hope you enjoy listening. And I guess until next time, it was wonderful being on your show, Kim. 
Awesome. Thank you. It was wonderful having you, Nathan. And that will do it for this edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. And until we see you the next time, I say peace. Thank you.